Welcome to the podcast where we talk all about love. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Carly Ann. Let's be honest, nobody taught us about the challenges that come with finding and keeping healthy, happy relationships. Nobody warned us of the courage that you need to put yourself out there when dating, or gave us the tools to manage anxiety, or told us what the hell to do when we got ghosted. As two coaches working in this space, we want to open up the conversation and give our take into the real, messy, amazing, sometimes tiring and frustrating, but mainly an extraordinary journey that comes with creating the secure, lasting relationships that you deserve. Welcome back to All About Love, the dating, healing and attachment podcast. Whoop, whoop. I think you whooped in the last episode. Probably. Carly's just got so <laughs> awkward, guys, recording that. Honestly, it's that it's opening line. Is that out, opening is it outtakes? <laughs> five seconds, just silence, basically. So welcome to All About Love. Today, I think that given what we both are interested in, given the conversations that we have off of this podcast, which probably... I think is part of the reason we decided we need a podcast. Mm -hmm. I think today's topic could be a contender for being one of my favourites. Am I going to announce it? Yeah. Okay. All (laughs) (laughs) Guys, we're going to be talking about all about attachment styles. So what they are and actually what that looks like in reality for us and how it affects dating, how it affects relationships and then actually giving a few kind of next steps to kick you off on your journey about this. But we really want to also debunk the kind of certain attachment styles being the kind of villains of the dating and relationship Which world. Which one could you be talking about? <laughs> so we just want, yeah, have a real chat about this. And obviously this is like Carly's bread and butter. You, If you want to hear more about the subject as well, after this episode, obviously, go and listen to her amazing podcast, which is Lessons in Attachment. On Attachment? Lessons in Attachment. In Attachment. <laughs> just do my pause then. <laughs> I was just thinking, how lovely. You've just done a link to my podcast. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, but there you do kind of, most episodes are really specifically about all the ins and the outs in this. But we did really want to give you an amazing overview and also talk about how attachment theory and attachment work has impacted our own relationships because when I was dating I had no fucking clue what an attachment style was but then when you learn in retrospect it's like a light bulb moment goes on and you feel like way less of a psycho yeah do you know what (laughs) that is exactly what it is also though there's this other element of feeling like damn I wish I'd known that in the past. And I feel that it's not just that I wish I'd known this in the past because I could have felt so much better. I could have healed. A lot of the time the reaction is, I wish I'd known about this in the past because then I'd still be with X. Oh, okay. That was like the, the dagger to the heart can be like, I'm sure I would still be in that relationship if I had known this information? Ooh, that's a big question, isn't it? Yeah, that's what my experience is. Was. (laughs) Was. (laughs) Carly's just remembered she has got a lovely boyfriend at the moment. If I didn't do attachment work, I wouldn't be in this relationship. I believe that with my whole heart. My whole heart. Yeah, Yeah, it's... Because I... I I cover a lot of attachment 
stuff with clients because it will come up so naturally it's so important and also it's such a huge kind of buzzy topic on Instagram and TikTok so you know everybody and their dog talks about attachment styles now but when I was like going through my own journey it wasn't really a thing so I did a lot of the work that we would now kind of label or cover as healing attachment wounds but my focus was more on becoming less unavailable looking at avoidant triggers and kind of you know doing the self-esteem work and the regulation as well yeah but also and again I feel like you know what I'm not even going to bother saying when we're going off topic like many times throughout the whole season we're going to go off topic yeah the thing is whatever you're healing whatever it is that you are working on, it does tend to be that the core issues come back to the same thing. Unless it's something like we're talking about PTSD or certain anxieties, a lot of the time you are looking at the same kind of healing processes. And that's why maybe you didn't call it attachment styles, but ultimately when it comes to healing an attachment style, you're working on your self-esteem, you're working on your self-worth. There's so many different elements, but you read all of these different books, the messages in them tend to be quite similar. Mm -hmm. Like love yourself, be more mindful. You know, that they're very similar. You're just work on putting yourself first, stop neglecting yourself, stop abandoning yourself. Mm. So I do feel a bit like even if you're, whether you're new to attachment styles or not, you probably are doing a bit of the work Mm. already. Yeah, and for me, a huge thing was looking at childhood and stuff like that. And obviously when you do look at attachment theory, the kind of original work was grounded in childhood patterns, kind of inner childhood healing, like that sort of thing so why don't we now do you want to give a kind of overview of attachment and we'll go through the kind of three core attachment styles Mm -hmm. is that your phone your laptop just my laptop (laughs) guys just too popular (laughs) so yeah attachment styles many different definitions but I think if we were to put it really simply for me it's how secure you're able to feel within a relationship how secure you are, how kind of easily you connect and bond with other people. And, you know, the theory goes, it's like you just said, it's not always from childhood now, but most, most of the research and most of the people that I work with, it does go back to our childhood younger experiences. But typically we all have an attachment style and we're insecure or secure right? So someone who might be insecure, they have probably had experiences with love where there wasn't enough, or maybe there was too much of something. Mm -hmm. There hasn't been this like balanced, trusting, consistent experience. Perhaps you've been let down, abandoned, neglected. Mm. And we're going to talk about the attachment style so that kind of impacts your level of security right yeah and for me it's the the feeling secure you're kind of taught that it's okay to be loved it's you feel seen you feel heard it's those kind of inner qualities that you either get from parents or you know romantic partners as you get older and when that's not there when you don't feel loved, you don't feel seen, you don't feel kind of um, 
looked after, you know, you don't have enough attention, approval, whatever that might look like, then that causes a rupture in attachment and you are always kind of seeking that or pushing it away Mm -hmm. based on your experiences. Yeah, and now your experience of love, relationships, it's just quite wobbly because obviously, you know, the severity really depends and we're going to, we'll talk about how we show up in terms of our insecure styles because that can really vary. But I think it's just this ultimate inner knowing of like, you struggle to trust, you struggle to feel good enough in relationship Mm. and it just doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. And just to touch on secure attachment, who typically speaking certainly haven't had like the perfect experiences, but perhaps there was enough repair. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever it is, they felt seen, all of those things that you've just said, and were accepted for who they are and how they are. And now in relationship, they have quite positive expectations of other people of relationships themselves in relationship well let's start looking at the kind of secure label then and I'll do that in inverted commas but they say what it's 50% of the population tend to have more of a secure attachment yeah they say most people have a secure attachment do you think that's true I mean I have to believe that you know there's people that have been doing this research for years and years I think as someone who is quite severely or certainly has been quite severely insecure Mm. it's hard to imagine Mm. because it's only in recent years that I've started to even understand the felt sense of what it is to be secure and so I find it quite hard I'm getting better at it I can find it quite hard to imagine what it feels like to be secure in a relationship. Mm. So for me, when you say, do you think that's true? I find it hard to imagine it's mm. true. But I think it is. I think most, I, I this sounds, okay, this is getting deep and it sounds a bit strange. But sometimes I will look at like families and I'll look at like my friends with their kids, my nieces and nephews. And I see them like having these really safe, normal experiences and I see that a lot. Like, there's a lot of great parents out yeah. there. Like, not saying there's... Listen, let's go back to that idea of there just has to be good enough repair. Yeah. So, yeah, I do think there's a lot of secure people. I just think we can really focus on the insecure. And they're not the ones seeking all this information. And they're not the ones perhaps you're attracted to if you're insecure. Yeah, and I would say as well, there's this idea of, so if you have more of a secure attachment, let's say, as Carly said, you have quite positive um, ideas of relationships, you expect to be treated well, you expect that there are people out there who are going to meet your needs, you have a kind of healthy sense of self, um, you know, you tend to be more prepared to have conversations, you feel safe to open up, you um, are prepared to take somebody else's needs and desires into account as well like it all feels quite balanced but that's not to say you don't have moments of insecurity or anxiety or self-doubt or self-loathing or wanting to avoid and run away you know those emotions are healthy normal emotions so I sometimes think we hold like and I've definitely done it myself the somebody with a secure attachment is the holy grail yes where they're like perfect and if you get into a relationship with somebody who is secure or you become secure you're never going to have moments of anxiety or avoidance or like 
feeling not confident or whatever yeah I because one of the reasons the relationship I'm in now one of the reasons I think it works so well is because I've got to this place of fully accepting that everyone has insecure and secure tendencies we all do and I believe that we all fall into anxious avoidant and secure tendencies it just depends on the person the situation you know how tired you are how stressed you are my partner has some of the most secure tendencies I've ever experienced and I can also see when he gets avoidant obviously that's when I get anxious (laughs) and vice versa it doesn't matter which comes first right one of us gets anxious the other one gets avoidant but most of the time we're secure and you you just need to be secure enough yeah you know and also I think if you're doing this work if you've got that objectivity then that kind of is a massive movement towards being secure isn't it I always think sometimes it's the consciousness that makes us secure healthy people it's not like you have to redo the attachment style quiz and come out secure to prove that you've got secure Mm -hmm. tendencies like it's that awareness and that ability to I don't know 80% of the time think well of yourself or feel okay in the relationship or feel you can open up and things like that because I really like what you're saying about the secure person. They're not sat there kind of thinking, well, I better speak up about my needs or I better walk away from this person. It's just like this knowing. It just mm. is. Like, I think of my... There's a couple of friends in particular that from the outside certainly seem to have been secure throughout our whole friendship. And there's people that I would be attracted to. Good looking, great that's all they could see in this person. Yeah. Like they just would not understand what I could see in this, the whole situation. But it's just because for them, they liked people that treat you well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell, imagine. <laughs> Honestly, do you know what I mean though? But that is what it was. It was just, we used to laugh about like the people that I would be attracted yeah. to because there was no standards oh in like treating you in a kind way. No, it was seen as like boring and um, just there was something wrong with them. Yeah. If they liked you. Yeah. God, I, I've, yeah, some real rotters in my past. But, you know, look, becoming secure is a journey in itself. Yeah. And you absolutely, I really believe that anyone listening to this has elements of being secure. I 100% believe it. Yeah, of course you do. Because you don't, you know, there's even if we take relationships out of the mix and talk about how you feel about yourself, there will be most days an element of you that at some point in that day feels okay with yourself, that feels grounded with yourself, that doesn't want to run away or, you know, you're not constantly anxious, even if it's for a minute of the day. We all, as humans, are very, very adaptable. Um, and you know it's survival isn't it and actually that's a really interesting way to think about the other two predominant insecure attachments which is anxious and avoidant Um, it's how they're usually known but I think it's amazing that either as children or teenagers or informative relationships you can adapt enough to keep yourself safe by developing Um, certain coping mechanisms that lead to the anxious avoidance styles right but 
that's a coping mechanism. You've kept yourself safe for all those years to be okay. Yeah. And I think that's like, it's, it's mind boggling when you think about what your body will do, what you will do innately without even thinking about it. And I think that's why a lot of it can go back to childhood, right? Because mm. it's a child that reacted in these ways. You didn't have the skills, the tools, mm. the knowledge that you have now. So now you know things. You under, especially if you're listening to this podcast and you're doing all of this inner work. But of course, when you become activated, when you become triggered, which a lot, well, with attachment styles is when you're in relationship with someone else, that it's that young person again. Mm-hmm. It's the past becomes present. And so all of the knowledge that you have about your insecure attachment can go out of the window, right? In mm-hmm. the moment. So let's talk about insecure attachment now, because... For me, people get very stuck on whether they're anxious or avoidant or whatever. And as you said at the beginning, for me, it's two sides of the same coin. It's all insecure attachment. So why don't we talk about the anxious attachment? It's 20%, I think, 19%? I don't know the exact. Of the population? Let's say between 19 and 21, guys. Let's round it out. Well, it definitely includes me. Yeah. For sure. So what is the kind of characteristics of somebody with an anxious attachment? I would start I would start with saying the underlying fear, right? Mm-hmm. And I know, again, we're going to go to insecure attachment, but let's just, sticking with anxious attachment, that underlying fear of being left, being abandoned, not being good enough for someone. Mm-hmm. And so... With anxious attachment, it comes out with wanting, like you were just saying, to lean towards people. It's chasing people. It's getting really anxious over separation. It's feeling like you need to be close to someone. I think with anxious attachment, like you really fear that loneliness. You really fear being on your own and what that means about you, what that means about your future. And it just comes out in this anxiety about not being close to your attachment figure or the potential attachment figure. It's daydreaming daydreaming about Mm. someone, obsessing over someone, thinking about them nonstop, anything but just being with yourself. So when you're kind of, I guess, from from what I'm hearing from that, you're hyper-fixated on the figure that you think is going to bring you that security so you're very very hyper aware of any change um, that would suggest that they are moving away they are abandoning they are leaving you even if it's as small as them not putting an emoji at the end of the message you might read that as a signal that something has changed in your relationship or in your dating situation and then that triggers you into slightly more obsessive thoughts the thinking about them all the time you will do anything in your power whether that is acting out playing games overthinking to bring them closer to you yeah. isn't it that anxiety about just being that parting ways you know with anxious attachment oh, let's say this with relationship the natural flow of a relationship right is to come into relationship and then we part ways and then we say hello and then we say goodbye mm-hmm. Anxious attachment really struggle with that goodbye because for them, this is forever. Mm-hmm. We, we're not going to come together again. And in reality, you d- look, not every time. And sure, that's painful when relationships end. But for the most part, the flow of relationship is hello, goodbye, hello, goodbye. Yeah. That just, they find that goodbye so hard because of whatever it is that they've been through. 
And I'd say as well, if we think about kind of overall experiences, with anxious attachment, you know what I say this a lot and people really relate to, is anxious attachment when they're single can be in this happy single bubble. Like nothing can touch me, the most confident I've ever been. And this phrase of, and next time I'm never going to put up with that again. And next time I'm going to do this. But the difficulty is when they come into relationship with someone else, they do lose relationship with themselves again. Mm -hmm. And I think that's partly why it can be difficult to think about meeting someone again, because you know what happens when you meet someone, you lose yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's really, really natural because of that need for closeness, that need to be accepted, that need just not to be abandoned, actually. Yeah. And so I think just not just not being in a relationship with yourself anymore happens really really quickly and it can happen just from one message on an app that you think you kind of like this person yeah because that's something that I wanted to talk about because a lot of the time people think it has to be when you're dating somebody but I've seen people as you said lose themselves and they say to me I feel like I've lost my head I I don't know what's happened and it can be from one conversation on an app that something in that triggers you because it's triggering I mean that's exactly what it is you said it yourself it is triggering the survival state yeah and in that moment you don't have a choice that you're going to get triggered something about this situation that's happened is bringing up the past for you not consciously but something about this is similar to an experience that you've had and you go into this state of survival and in this state I will do anything not to be rejected not to be left and it's not stuff that I would ever do when I'm calm regulated in my normal state of mind like honestly some of the things that I've done and said and made up and excuses you come up with to get that Mm. closeness have you ever like staged a run-in I've staged everything (laughs) (laughs) what is like the most anxious anxious thing I've done do you know what I will only thing that's coming to my mind is now my current relationship okay And it's really difficult because he has a lot of space for that anxiety. And we're talking much more at the beginning because now I can say to him a lot more what I'm experiencing and what's happening. But probably at the beginning, it would be Friday nights when he would go out, that anxiety would come up again Mm -hmm. and I would start a fight with him. Mm -hmm. And it was just, and I'd wake up in the morning and be like, I'm literally going to lose this guy because what? why is he going to keep putting up with that? And he noticed the pattern. He noticed that it was this weird Friday night thing when he was with his friends that I would just start some random fight about him not caring or not replying. And sometimes he wasn't replying for five minutes, but it felt like an hour. And I paid an eye-watering amount for a somatic coach And it's like the best thing that I ever did. And I'm not selling us. I'm not trying to sell you and I right now. That's my genuine truth. And I swear that after that, it's just never been the same again because she really helped me to see, basically in that moment, I don't know if we're going too deep here, um, I was this little girl in bed again, not Mm. knowing where my mum was. Mm. And especially because we were texting, it was easier for him to become that attachment figure because I couldn't see him. Okay. 
And so it was the things we came up with was like I had to I had a well I came up with this to be fair I literally at the early stage of our relationship had a album on my phone of pictures of him that I could see that he was real. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't know if I've ever sort of admitted that to the extent because of the fact that I've not been in that relationship that long and I probably felt as an attachment coach it shouldn't be that bad. I've been quite open that Friday nights were really difficult for me. I think it's really important to talk about because you are an attachment. And again, when we're talking about moving towards that secure attachment, right? This isn't the Holy Grail. This isn't an overnight fix. This is years of chipping away at making yourself feel okay Mm -hmm. in that moment. Mm -hmm. And look, I'll say this. He went on a holiday like a few weeks ago now, you know, when he went to Switzerland And I was a bit worried that all of that was going to come up again. And it literally didn't, like not one thing. And I do think that's partly in who you choose because he stayed in touch with me. I didn't have any worries. But even though there was that Friday anxiety, for me to have a boyfriend that went away for a weekend and me not to experience anxiety is insane in my mind. So healing happens. Wow within a therapy session I know I'm loving it guys <laughs> let's get Carly on the couch eh um <laughs> Carly on the couch. I'm hot I'm getting literally hot. she's sweating, sweating under the lights yeah. no you're not I'm joking um but what I find lovely about that is through your relationship but also through a hell of a lot of work that you've done with you the hours you put in you have learned to kind of regulate, come back to yourself, to do the inner child work. Yep. And also, you know, you learn self-soothing, don't you, with co-regulation with a yep. partner, but also it has to come from you. So I think anxious attachment is probably the most talked about, I would yeah. say, on social media. And I don't know whether that's because... There might be a tendency for people who are more anxiously attached to reach out and to want to fix it, to do the work, to be like a little bit more introspective. What are, and I've got some ideas here, but what are the superpowers of having an anxious attachment? Well, okay. The first one that came to my mind Mm. immediately, I do have to, you have to be really careful with this because it's also a curse, but it is the being a detective. You can spot, changes really quickly and look I'm not saying this is the biggest pro but I will say this right (laughs) if I am watching a film with my boyfriend I will notice and guess something much quicker than him like I will sometimes this is a thing so I will know there's a shift this is going to happen and I'll guess it really quickly and look we that feels great when you do that yeah and you get it right but I don't always get it right so whilst I will make a guess that something's not right, there's a shift here. I don't always get it right what it is. Sometimes I do and that feels great, but sometimes I don't. And that's really important for anxious attachment because if your partner is quiet or your date hasn't texted back as quickly as you mm-hmm. want, sometimes you might be right that they're pulling away, but many times you're not right. So it's a superpower that you can sense a shift in your friend's mood. You can notice something's new, something's different, but it's also a bit of a curse. Okay, so it's you're very sensitive and compassionate towards changes and things like that, but you can jump to conclusions based on your own, like, 
wounds or insecurities or patterns or whatever. Can you just come and sit next to me when I record my own podcast? Because I feel like you really <laughs> summarise what I'm trying to say so well. I always say that about you, but you really do. And I do think that the people that I've worked with, certainly who have more of an anxious attachment or are on that side of things, they understand that something can be built. They don't just cut and run. They will hang on in there, sometimes to the detriment. But you know when we're talking about commitment that's a huge thing that that willingness to go there to open up to be vulnerable to support their partner to go all in I think there are amazing qualities that that people who do have more of an anxious tendency yeah one of the skills that I've learned and I think has made a huge difference for me is to let things play out naturally And let's use the film as an example. It would be that I just wait until I've got a bit more information until I make my guess, right? Mm -hmm. So still, I probably would still be ahead of him in making that guess, but I've got a bit more information that I might get it right each time. Mm -hmm. And so if you apply that to dating and things, it was just me just letting things play out. Okay, we've got a date on Thursday. It's Monday and I'm feeling really, really anxious because we haven't spoken about it again. What would happen if I just let this play out naturally without my intervention of needing to ask about it? Probably well, by Thursday, I'm definitely going to know. <laughs> like, <laughs> do you know what I mean, though? That, but that's how I started to think about it is by Thursday, I will actually know if there's been another day. And look, if you're really in the thick of your anxious attachment, that four days can feel like a really, really long time. But when you start to get that bit more accuracy of time... Yeah, you'd find out by Thursday. And that started to not feel like the end of the world. I feel on that kind of topic of um, the waiting, I do feel for people who have more of an anxious tendency. And I'll talk about myself, obviously, in a minute. But there is a natural uncertainty that comes with dating. And when you have like any sort of abandonment wound that kind of natural uncertainty can become intolerable. So that's why there is like so much stress and pain, I think, if you do have more of an anxious style when it comes to dating. So as you said at the beginning, it can be easier to cut it off and not go there because you feel so much happier, like not having to deal with that uncertainty because it's just you. Or it's how you deal with it. Look, I was... As I've said, it, it wasn't easy at the beginning of dating, dating here for that very reason. But it turned out I was dating someone that doesn't plan, that will just rock up on the day and be like, so what are we doing? Oh. Yeah. The planner in me shouts no. There was a time where we, again, I hadn't dealt with this really well. I don't... We hadn't had like a row, but maybe I just sulked a little bit or made some kind of comment. I don't know. And we were having this conversation in a cafe about, but I need more plans. Like, I find it really difficult. So you've got to think we were quite far on now because there was trust to have this conversation. But I think we still weren't official. And he said to me, but I know we're going to see each other again. I know we're going to see each other again. And that really hit home because I was like, oh, okay, so when we say goodbye or when he wakes up in the morning, he knows at some point this week we're going to see each other again. And also a week doesn't feel that long to him. If you've that secure attachment, time has this like normal concept and a week isn't this huge amount of time. With anxious attachment, time tends to, if you're really triggered, it tends to speed up. 
and you know if, if it's that in between it can feel really really slow really slow like I a week feels like a year mm. interesting and I think there's also something in there that you said like your perception versus his yes. and when you have more of an anxious tendency you have to accept that if you are dating somebody who is more secure or avoidant would be at the other scale of things they are going to think about you less than you think about them yeah they are going to need to hang out less than you want to hang out with them there isn't that there isn't that kind of equality there like the need is different the perception is very different yeah like it's really important that you recognize that you're not going to be their priority 100 percent of the time and i think that's okay you'll be important to them and they'll care about your well-being but it's not realistic to be someone's number one priority 100% of the time. And that means if they're hanging out with their friend, their sister, their gran, that it doesn't mean that they don't love you. Because you, you'll see people, right, that will even compete with family members, mm-hmm. with friends, whatever. You don't need to. No. It's a different... So one of the things as well, it's a very different kind of connection, right? But going back to this time, just because it's on my mind and then we're we'll talk about avoidant but just last week my boyfriend was talking about like traveling away for work and obviously that abandonment wound in me was like well what's going to happen with us then and he literally laughed at me and said I can't remember what I worded we weren't arguing or anything but I can't remember how I worded it but he actually laughed and said babe if I work away I'm coming back and again it was that reminder like oh yeah okay you're coming back and it goes back to that endings that you talked about that yeah. I never thought about that. The the idea that for you, the ending is forever. Forever. The goodbye, goodbye is forever. Yeah. And for him, it's, or for anybody who is more secure, it's, it's a natural process. Yeah. You say hello, you say, you goodbye. say goodbye. That was a lengthy therapy session and conversation about anxious attachment. Do you feel like we covered? Yeah. I feel, it was, but it was an amazing discussion because actually... I think there's so much in people get really stuck on having this label of anxious or avoidant and there's so much like nuance within it and it's lovely just to also hear a real account of somebody who has done the work moving from anxious to avoidant and the fact that it's not follow these five steps for five days I like to think it's from anxious to secure what did I say anxious to avoidant (laughs) (laughs) no but I think there's some truth in that I think that some people do actually I've had a question quite a few times is I've as I move towards secure I feel like I'm becoming more avoidant I was gonna say I think when you get through the anxiety there is so much avoidance within that because I think you said at the beginning you are still picking people who are running away, right? So you're still picking people so you're on your own. So for me, when you get through the anxious bit, there's loads of avoidance. Yes. As soon as I uncovered the anxiety, I saw the avoidance. And also you have to admit the avoidance. I think that a quick thing about anxious versus avoidant, anxious is very painful. It's like a physical pain it's extremely uncomfortable and whereas avoidant it doesn't tend to feel that intense I'm not saying that they don't both have like really Mm. difficult outcomes but typically Mm. that the realistic or the reality is that the anxiety feels a lot worse Mm. and if we think about the healing process again this is all like ideal things being typical for 
anxious, it's really messy. It's a very messy journey to secure. Bumpy, up and down, back and forth, inside out, it's everything. And then you uncover the avoidance. Avoidance, again, typically speaking, tends to be a bit of a straighter path to secure. Yeah, And that makes sense as well when you think about... Um the zone of tolerance and stuff right you I don't know if we're going into too much detail now but when you hit that anxiety there is a level that you will get to until you cannot cope with that anxiety anymore and then you will go into the numbing you will go into the avoidance because the avoidance is as Carly said it feels it's it feels number at least to me yep. there's less of the up and down because you almost just slightly cut off that need for the connection that you're chasing can I give an example of that yes so a guy I remember seeing once and he was one of these ones that I felt pulled back that I called out actually yeah. quite a nice guy to be fair to him so a lot of anxiety because I was feeling that pullback. I couldn't stop thinking about it, obsessing over my phone, all of the things that you expect. And then I did say something to him. I think I, it was fair enough. I think I just said, I'm noting noticing that like you're pulling back. So probably some healing was happening there. And he replied and said, like, yeah, it's true. And basically ended it in this text whilst I was at work. That anxiety that I had been feeling went to depression. Yeah. And then I, I called in sick the next day at work because yeah. I couldn't get out of bed, couldn't move. Yeah. It's that cycle, isn't yeah. it? So it's whenever you're doing this work, it's you're not just pigeonholed as the anxious. There will be so many different elements of the avoidant and as Carly said, the secure. But for me, I think I if I had a tendency, it would be more towards the avoidant. Yes. So leading us leading us nicely into the avoidant. Yes. Do you want to give us a little snapshot? So for me, having more of an avoidant attachment, and also I do feel like avoidance get vilified. I've had so many horrible comments on Instagram, like when I said that I tended tended to lean towards this tendency. Um, But because your coping mechanism, rather than chasing towards that attachment, you kind of cut off your need for the attachment. So the 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 love, the connection, you still deeply want it, but you don't feel it's safe enough. You don't trust that it's going to stay. So you kind of keep yourself to yourself. You become very self-sufficient. You want to always keep an element of independence and separation between you and the thing that like might overwhelm you, that might leave, that, you know, that can't meet your needs. So your kind of underlying fear is, I mean, I still think there's fear of abandonment in the avoidant avoidant one, but it's also that you don't trust that people are going to meet your needs. You don't trust that people are going to stay. You don't trust that um, people are going to be able to give you what you want. So yeah, you kind of chop off or you numb out from that that need for connection and what this can look like when you're dating is coming up with reasons that are wrong about the partner so you've got this like ideal tick list in your head that nobody's going to measure up or you'll start to fixate on an ex once you've broken up with them or you might only date people who are unavailable either out of the country in a relationship you say you're in a relationship you might not all the time but you might cheat pull away all of those things so you tend and this is a big generalization but not to have more of a grasp on what you're feeling to be able to communicate and things like that so 
yeah, I always think about the anxious person wants to move towards, the avoidant person's tendency is to move back. And that doesn't mean that you are a horrible cheating pig. It just means that you, your priority is to keep yourself safe and what feels safe is you being on your own because there's nobody there to like ask things of you, to make demands, to, you know, take up your time, to have to deal with them. That experience of love so far or that experience of relationship Mm. so far has hurt in some way. You know, it leaves you wanting, exactly like you said, wanting typically to keep love at arm's length. Yeah. That keeping that risk of being hurt again at arm's length. And it's interesting because the, I think, when you describe somebody who has more of an avoidant tendency, people tend to assume that that need for connection and love just isn't there. It's still there, but your coping mechanism has been to kind of push it away. Mm-hmm. And this isn't a signal, guys, for you to run like a bull towards a red flag to try to get somebody who is pushing you away to stay. But it's just having that awareness that, you know, I know that my tendency when I'm feeling like triggered or whatever is to numb out still. Mm. I cut off any emotion or, you know, say I have an argument with Lee and my husband, I would be more likely to walk out the room. I would be thinking in my head of like, well, if, you know, da 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 then this is all his fault. I'd have one foot out, you know, yeah. even though I'd never leave, nothing would ever happen. But it took a long time for me to be able to like learn to trust that we could have an argument and it wouldn't end in divorce. How, because that's really interesting, because mm. I see that a lot in myself as well. With mm. the, actually, that's another way, isn't it, when it comes to attachment styles, is looking at your response to conflict yeah. or your fear of conflict. So, how does that play out for you, like afterwards? Are you full of shame, guilt, blame? Like, how does that look after the conflict? If it's resolved in my head that, you know, we've both taken our kind of, um, share of the blame I'll be okay if I feel like he hasn't taken accountability I will go into blame and attack I will be I will say it's your fault okay so it's blame and attack which is interesting isn't it because if we think of avoidant typically Mm. can struggle with criticism Mm -hmm. struggle with feeling blamed like it's not my fault we've not seen you know rather than just take some accountability sometimes it is that reflection or deflection but yeah because I I struggle I cannot be criticized guys yeah I really struggle with yeah. being told off yeah like yeah a child. That, exactly but that's what it can feel like <laughs> isn't it is being told off we go back to that child and if we think about like the severity of this this is where you know someone I think maybe this is where people get avoidance and narcissism narcissism really mixed up because that characteristic of deflecting of not taking any responsibility in the far extreme end of that you've got narcissism right Mm. but then you've got where you're talking about which is once you're regulated you can think things through again you probably can take a bit more responsibility I'll apologize at the time but then I will continue thinking about it and apologize again a couple of days later but when I'm triggered, my instinct is to defend. And actually, 
doing the work like means that we have way more adult conversations now where we will sit down we will see each other out I know when I'm acting up I know when it's my fault interesting I put a video on Instagram and TikTok but the TikTok one got a lot of views and in it I say about avoidant being labeled the villain and why I don't believe that's true and my goodness like People did not like that. The trolls on t- TikTok. The trolls on you. TikTok, and there's a lot of them, did not <laughs> like that because what's really interesting, right, is I tend to find when it becomes them versus us, avoidant versus anxious, that's your insecurity being triggered in that moment. I've got no doubt that I've just made you think of a certain person, mm-hmm. so I get what's happening there. But the reality is this is too... Let's say we've got one anxious and one avoidant. This is two humans that have had experiences that have led to these coping strategies. In extreme cases, they're really, really painful for the other person. They're also painful for the individual. The avoidant, it can look like, doesn't care. Like, it can look like that. I think some of the characteristics are that they seem colder. They are, I mean, they literally are more distant from emotion. Yeah, definitely. It's uncomfortable. But... In terms of like research, if you tie them up to some machine that says how stressful they are, they're under stress in those moments. They just don't look it. Yeah. No, and I think it's, you know, when we're talking about like superpower of somebody who is more avoidant, you can be more objective. You can be a bit more level-headed. Like you really do encourage independence and like you want to support your partner to like follow their dreams. And, you know, you have that kind of sense of self as well. And you want them to do that too. Like you really do want the best for you from kind of what I've seen from that so take the best bits of both of them learn your triggers like learn when you want to move away when you want to go into that defense or learn when you want to move towards and you know work on kind of regulating regulating that but I part of the problem with today and probably get a lot of hate for this is people are obsessed with like labels or being right or being wrong or one person having to be the bad guy one person having to be the good guy and it's just all bullshit like the more you try and label yourself like if you look at labeling theory and psychology and things like that the more you try and pigeonhole yourself or label one person as something and you as another the more you will naturally start to act in alignment with those tendencies so it actually exasperates the problem So for me, I would swing towards both. I would become anxious when I was dating somebody who was avoidant or I couldn't have. And I'd become avoidant when I was dating somebody who was more secure or who I felt any pressure with. So different people will bring out different aspects of you. So think about it more as insecure attachment, I would say, rather than having to like find out which one you are. I agree because like your attachment style influences who you choose, yeah. right? Your attachment style influences your reactions, how you show up in relationship. But at the same time as that, who you choose, even the weather, your mood also can influence your attachment style that day. Like it, it is this two way thing. So one person you date can bring out the anxiety 
but also your anxiety can bring out certain behaviours as well. So I do think it's just to think of it in these two ways. Mm. Who you choose does count. So some people will say to me, am I really healed if I, you know, if I'm dating someone that doesn't trigger me? Yes, absolutely. It's a, it's a very secure thing to choose someone that doesn't trigger you. We don't have to be triggered all the time. There's always going to be things that upset us and trigger us. We don't have Mm -hmm. to surround ourselves with that to heal. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think we can take responsibility for it as well. Because yes, I feel like I've chosen someone that's really good for my attachment style. But at the flip side of that, I've also, I put in a lot of work. Yeah. Like a lot of work. And you see that. So when there's things where him going away on that holiday, I see that then, okay, this is the inner work. There's elements that he supports with in terms of, yeah, he stays in touch. It's not like I have to tell him to stay in touch, though. Let's Mm. just put it there. Like, the right person will just stay in touch. Not the right person. God, we've got to do a whole episode on, like, what are basic standards. Yeah. Oh, maybe we should. That's actually a really good idea. But let's move on. Why don't we just name three books we would recommend to further your journey with healing attachment? Yes. Or educate yourself. I'm up for that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Can I say something about the books that I've read? Because what was I... Basically, there's a book that I looked at recently. Oh, it's Flow. Do you know the book Flow? No. It's basically about like optimum, optimal happiness. Is that the right word? Optimal oh, that happiness? sounds lovely. Yeah. Like how do you get into that state where, you know, time is passing and you feel really happy. And when I picked up this book, book and looked at it again now, and I read it years ago, just from one page of looking through it again, I could, it, I read it completely different. It had a completely different message. It was talking about like self-reflection and going inwards and being with your emotions. And the very first time I read it, I had no idea that that's what it was talking about. I just picked it up on a much more basic level. So I think these books, wherever you are in your journey, you will take what you need. Yeah. Like, And you know how you end up listening to a podcast or reading books and it gives you the same message? I think it's at the stage that you're at that you just you take whatever it is that you need the same message comes through over and over again yeah what is it like you hear what you're ready to hear right yeah and I love that yeah because even if you read these books or you know go back and there will be a book guys or there will be a podcast that's really resonated with you that sparks something go back and listen to it again and even use that as a barometer of how far you've come yeah or of like what your kind of next steps are or something like that but for me, number one book when looking at attachment that you've really got to read is the most popular, which is The Science of Adult Attachment, Attached by, who is it, Dr. Amir Levine and yes. Rachel, can't remember the surname. Just type in Attached, Dr. Amir Levine. Yeah. That book, I have heard that people with avoidant attachment mm. like it less because I think like there's sort of the, the idea that it focuses a lot more on anxious attachment. I mean, attachment. it does, yeah, yeah, it really does. And I mean, even though if you look at this conversation, we probably have focused more on anxious attachment, I wonder yeah. why that is a kind of sway. I wonder why that that's 
that kind of natural. I think just happens. anxious attachment, you're much closer to an emotion, you're much closer to an experience mm. that's probably easier to describe and talk about than being disconnected. When you're disconnected, mm. you're numb, you're away yeah. from the 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 feeling, you're away mm. from the experience. So probably it's harder for us maybe to kind of remember and connect with when we're dissociated or numb mm. or down. Yeah. You mm. know. Okay, so that's number one. Do you want to say one? Uh, for me, a book that made a huge difference was Lovability by Robert Holden. Beautiful. It's all about knowing your worth, that you're lovable, that you're enough, like literally just as you are. And I think that's the foundations, whether avoidant or anxious. Yeah, I agree. And actually, a lot of the books that will really support your kind of journey with this probably won't have the title like attachment in there because when you can go back to those wounds of feeling unseen unheard unloved not safe then look at that look at the kind of things that you can do to heal those things and then for me I think it's quite an interesting one doesn't really talk specifically about attachment but children of emotionally immature parents I think is a good one if you know that some of your tendencies now do come from childhood rather than kind of romantic formative relationships that's a brilliant one as well yeah and I think dependent on how where you are of attachment with that one it does talk about like anxious and avoidant Mm. it's just different language it's like what I was trying to say earlier a lot of it is just different language across different books it's the same info well guys let us know what your action point is going to be how you're going to move yourself forward from this conversation any takeaways that you've got please message us on instagram we love 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 to hear from you any questions you also have about attachment please get in touch and as i said we're going to do another episode on um the anxious avoidant dance specifically when dating or in early stages of relationships let's say so email us in any questions and we will look to answer them but until next week goodbye from us my lovely lot and we'll see you soon